Choose life, choose a sport, choose a drop zone, choose a start time, choose a fucking big jump plane, choose turbine engines, speed, unlimited altitude, and endless horizons. Choose height, no low turns, and travel insurance. Choose jump tickets, choose tiny action cameras, choose your mates, choose a rig and matching helmet, choose swoop shorts and a range of fucking fabrics, choose 120 vertical speed and wondering who the fuck you are on a Sunday morning. Choose sitting on that couch, watching debriefs, spirit-saving slow-mos, smashing beers after last load. Choose standing on the podium at the end of it all. Choose a win you'll love every time. And the reasons? There are no reasons. Who needs reasons when you fly NZ Aerosports? Of course, I absolutely love the NZ Aerosports business model. I mean, come on. One glance at an Icarus fuck yeah sticker and you know it lines up perfectly with the fucking pilot mentality. But outside their wonderful use of colorful language and a great company vibe... There's a long list of reasons to say NZ Aerosports, fuck yeah. NZ Aerosports blows me away right out of the gate as a canopy manufacturer with a bold offer. They give you 10 jumps on your brand new nylon to decide if you want to keep it, swap it out, or even return it for a refund. I mean, seriously, how incredible is that? That's like getting halfway through a prom and deciding you prefer the slightly racier date that goes down faster. Seriously, they do that. If you're not madly in love with your new canopy after 10 jumps, they'll let you swap it out for another size or model or even get your money back. And the range of canopies they've got? Man, they've got a style canopy to fit every jumper and every situation with models you know and trust. Like the Sapphire 3, the perfect choice for the beginner or intermediate canopy pilot. The Crossfire 3, when you're ready to kick it up that elliptical notch. The JFX 2, if you're looking to up your new swoop game. The Leia as the workhorse and dirt water dirt beast, or the Petra. The Petra cranks out crazy power and is nothing short of a record breaker. But hey, it's not always about speed either. Take the Kraken. Built as a low pack volume canopy specifically with wingsuiting in mind, she gives you all the performance you're looking for with the reliability you need that'll have you itching for that next formation, rodeo, or puffy cloud. So the equipment is top of the line kick-ass stuff as you already know, but how about the team? Well, the customer service gang is there to sort you out whenever you need them. Maddie and Beto are always there to help with Jen holding the reins. They're available for you at sales at nzaerosports.com and they've got a kick-ass live chat tool on the website if you're wanting to hit someone up right away. These are the crew you're going to want to talk to to get those custom orders in. With the stock nylon, once you know what you want, they'll have that shit on a FedEx truck as soon as the credit card machine says approved and get you in the air in no time. For your custom orders, you'll be able to get a time frame for building and shipping when you design it, so get to it. And demos. They've got demos in the U.S. available from their partner Rock Sky Market. The whole U.S. demo fleet is there with Sapphire 3, Crossfire 3, Kraken, JFX2, and Leia canopies in a range of sizes. They also offer student and tandem demos in the U.S. Bottom line, every step of the way, NZ Aerosports is there to get you what you need, and I personally couldn't be happier to be teamed up with them here on Lunatic Fringe. And now, time to get started with Lunatic Fringe Into the Void, brought to you proudly by NZ Aerosports. Fuck yeah! Coming straight from the cockpit, it's another episode of Lunatic Fringe with the fucking pilot. Ready, set, go! Alright, back in the can for another edition of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void, and I'm going to have to amend my initial who the... Because you're like, you're like big boss now. I can't say that stuff. i got to behave myself. Like, do I refer to you as Madam Director now, or...? <laughs> <laughs> Please, no. I'm still a skyliver at heart. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right then. Who the fuck are you and what do you do? My name is Melissa Lowe. I am a professional skydiver with 11,500 jumps. I'm on the Highlight Pro Skydiving team. I'm on the organizing team for Project 19. 
And I am a USPA national director. That's correct. You are all those things. <laughs> that's cool. And I'm a mom. That's an important one. <laughs> there you go. That's probably the biggest one. But I mean, that's uh, that's quite a list. You are a very busy lady. I'm actually impressed that I uh, I got you to sit down long enough to have a chat. <laughs> yes, life is so busy, but I. I don't think I could have it any other way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I, I don't think you don't strike me as the, uh, the couch potato type. No, I love that meme where it says, if you want to get something done, ask a busy person because <laughs> I'm like a person that likes to get shit done. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, I'm probably the same way. As soon as something's not getting done by someone else, I'll just do it because I need it done. Yep, yeah, exactly. exactly. So uh, it's been a year since we talked last, and a whole lot has changed in that year. First off, starting off with the fact that you're now on the board of directors. So how how did that come about? Well, I have been toying with the idea of running for this position for some time, and I wanted to run in the previous elections. I forget. I think that was three or four years ago now. Hmm. But I just had way too many projects, and I know myself, if I dive into something, I want to be able to have the space to dedicate to it. And I just didn't have, I didn't have that in my life. I had a yoga studio, which I've now sold. Um, you know, I have a day job, which now is ending soon, and uh, being a mom, COVID happened, Every mm. the whole world just went online and shifting uh just shifting. But I rearranged some things just because 2020 exploded my schedule, literally. Sure. And I stepped down from organizing the vertical sequential world record. I'm still participating in it, but it's just, it, it just have too much stuff going on. And, and having done that and sold my yoga studio, I sat down with the fam because the family knows when I engage in a project, it's not just me. They, they wholeheartedly, I need their support. Sure. I need their backing because that means I might be gone a lot. That might mean I'm on a lot of meetings a lot. It might mean that I have to vent <laughs> <laughs> or, or use it as a sounding board for things, right? So it, this is a family decision and I got their support and my mom my God bless her heart. And I'm so grateful because my mom has been in the sport forever. Right. And she like brought reality. She goes, you know what you're getting yourself into. Are you sure you want to embark on this journey? Right. And it really gave me something to sit with because it wasn't an immediate, oh yeah, mom, like I got this, you know, I'm like, oh, wow, you know, my mom, she just, she just knew the uh, frustrations people have with USPA because I have I have similar feelings and frustrations and you know I bitched about USPA forever and I sure. you know this there is this convergence of I want to give back and mm. I owe a lot to the sport and I just saw this as an opportunity where I have a lot of experience under my belt a lot of time in the sport and yeah, it's just a way to say thank you mm. to the sport that has given me so much. So yeah, I really had to sit down with those thoughts and with the support of my family, I wrote out some goals and uh, yeah, so I ran in a special election which finished out a term. Mm. So it'll be one year and now we're going for a full board elections at the end of this year in October. So I'm campaigning again. Have I thought that through? I might not have done like a back-to-back -back campaign. Right. But I, I think that it's really forced me in a way that I wouldn't have to get involved with the community in a different way that I wouldn't have normally. So. Well, yeah, I mean, you're well, first off, uh, applause to, to wanting to take on the task. But I think you're right that the, the best way to try and fix a broken machine is from the inside. Uh, it's certainly not the outside throwing stones at it because we've all done that, right? You bitch and moan and complain, but that doesn't get anything done. Um, so taking on that task, uh, hats off. Cause I sure as shit wouldn't want to do it, <laughs> but, uh, um, <laughs> it's also, I mean, it's, you're, you're dealing with, um, skydivers who on a regular basis, see things from very different perspectives. And so you got to try and take all that into consideration. And I mean, that's a big, 
big job. And even though skydiving itself hasn't changed a lot, mentalities and personalities kind of have, right? So yeah, you got a lot ahead of you. <laughs> yeah, I don't mind. I think that I was having the feelings of wanting to run because I was ready. Right. And think that I, well, in being, feeling ready, I also spent, people don't know this, I went to board meetings for two years previous running Wow. because I wanted to hear what was happening. I wanted to have my finger on the pulse and see how the board ran and get to know who was on the board because I realized they, because I look at it as a world record. These people were going to be my teammates sure. and I wanted to know if we could work together to be successful in any mission that we were to embark on. And I know everyone, you know, thinks there's the good old boy club and this and that. And I don't feel like it's like that, but I do see where there is lack and uh, places. I just see a need and I feel like I can help fill that. Sure. So, but yeah, I, I talked to the directors all most all of them, because a lot of them are really busy on a regular basis, because I want to be transparent about the things that I'm working on. I want to know how we can get stuff done, because I don't want to wait sure. for board meeting to talk about stuff and then have to wait again for another board meeting. I'm like, no, let's keep the conversations going, because if we're going to get stuff done and decisions made, we need to keep these relationships uh we have to be very active in, in these relationships to, in these conversations to get stuff done. And I'm not shy from that. I, I think, you know, being a, an organizer, world record organizer, event organizer, uh, DZO, like all those leadership roles helped me not be afraid of going up to people and saying, Hey, this is what I'm working on and not being afraid of being shot down or sure. saying, Oh, you can't do that. <laughs> you know, well, like, okay. <laughs> I mean, in watching uh, in watching how you've been doing things, at least on social media, you're super vocal, much more so than any of the other directors that I've seen in the past, which is awesome because you're actively asking people, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? And you're you're wanting to get feedback, which in my experience, I've not seen before. Uh, and I think you've got the chance of being super, super effective, especially with the, the changing of the guard and, and Al sitting in the big seat now. You know, I mean, we're talking about, and I hate to say it, the younger generation, but shit, we're not so young anymore, right? <laughs> so crazy to think, but yeah. Right? You know, I mean, Al's the young buck sitting in the big seat, but I know that he's a lot like you and that he's got a very progressive way of thinking about things because he's kind of been there and done that through the the growing pains that Scott Eving has had over the last 20 some odd years. And it's been a crazy 20 some odd years. I mean, holy shit, the changes that have happened have been insane. Yep, absolutely. I love that Albert is at the helm. I think he just, I, I don't know what it is about him. I can't really put my finger on it, but he he's, he's like your buddy, but yeah. he's so good and so professional and so smart. I mean, he, he groomed himself to be in this position. So it feels like a seamless transition from Ed to Albert. And I just feel very grateful that he is serving at the helm at my, my time on the board because sure. we get along really well and communicate and, you know, oh my gosh, he, he is so busy. I think I'm busy, but you know, he's handling this whole organization, but he always takes the time for any of my phone calls and I'm the new guy. Right. So I have a ton of questions and sure. I'm not always doing things right. So he's always got my back. I just feel like he has my back on helping me and educate me and point me in the right direction. So I feel incredibly grateful that he is. Sure. In the seat sure. Well, and as soon as I uh, heard the announcement that he took that seat, I was thrilled. Um, I couldn't have thought of a better person, especially having done the Florida Swoop League stuff that he did and, and just knowing him and how calm and uh, reassuring he can be. Uh, I think it was an absolutely perfect fit. So, I mean, yeah, I think you're right. He was destined to take that seat. Yeah, yeah, he's a great leader for sure. Yeah. So it's it's been good. So now, what are the th what are some of the key things that you've been pushing for, and what are what are some of the changes that you're looking to see, or or not even changes, but let's call them improvements uh, as uh, as you're moving forward? What have you been pushing for? So 
that's a two, maybe a threefold question because it's evolved already. And just, I think it's been only been seven months since I've been elected in this special election last year. So when I first got on, I, I was very aware of all the current uh, topics that were happening amongst the board. And I don't feel that I came in with a clear, I'm going to do this and save USPA. I I didn't know. I mean, even though that I was there and I knew what was happening in the board, I... I'm going to go back in history here sure, for a moment. Please. A lot of people don't know this, but, um, you know, we live in Western Colorado and shortly after living here, I took on the job as executive director of the downtown development authority. Wow. Uh, so, so we had about 200 businesses in our district and I have never been in a position like that. I've been a skydiver my whole life sure. and I, was totally out of my element, but I just brought in all the experience I had in skydiving. And I thought, you know, I am new to this city and I don't know what people want. And the only way to do that is to go ask them. Sure. So I knocked on all 220 plus business doors and talked to owners and got their feedback and, you know, just connected with them. So I feel that was such an insight moving into this position on the board because I just had these visions of how valuable it was to connect with these business owners on what their needs were because that showed me where we needed to take the DDA. Um, Fortunately, that entity dissolved and uh, I didn't have that position, but it was such a great learning experience. It's super fun. I'm glad it wasn't a forever job. Right. But I thought, and I had these daydreams of, I would love to get an RV and just go from up and down, up and down and all around and meet with every drop zone, but being a mom and, you know, still having my job and and my husband, you know, like that's priorities. So that wasn't a reality, but I thought, is there a way that I can somehow do that within the scope of the things that are happening in my life. Cause I'm still traveling, doing demos and uh, doing uh, big way camps and things like that. So I thought, is there any way that I can couple that with my trips? And so that's what I've done. And I live in Colorado. So I just got done doing my Colorado drop zone tour, just a big lap um, around the front range and back. So I was able to, uh, see five drop zones in three days. And that's another thing I can't go on for super long because they got to get home and, right. you know, someone's got to water the plants. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, so I just, I just navigated and strategized how I could fit that in. So I've got a couple little mini tours coming up and then seeing a couple drop zones here and there where I don't have a lot of time, but I can at least connect with one drop zone, you know, throughout the entire year. So Mm. yeah, I, I have, I'm having very similar experiences as when I was the executive director of the DDA is now I'm getting, you know, boots on the ground hearing from DZOs and seeing, cause I think I have my goals but now hearing from the members, mm. I'm going, I need to shift that a little bit because it isn't about me. Sure. Because in our governance manual, it says national directors need to best represent their constituents. So for us, it's coast to coast and all our foreign affiliates. So I have, uh, so in the beginning, I thought I had ideas and I like pivoted really quick because I was like, well, that's not what's important to the members. So. Right. I'm not, I'm not here for me. So I shifted that. So um, I'm being very long winded, but no, I'm really please, excited please. about all the things that I've been working on. But in the first 60 days of being elected, I inserted myself into a subcommittee of safety and training that was writing the language for all the movement jumps to address those safety concerns. Mm. And the two on the committee were so welcoming in inviting me onto that. And I, reached out to all the leaders of the movement community and created this panel. And we had the discussion of what needs to be addressed. What does this look like? What can we do to help people? And 
we had it all, or I wrote all the language. We took all the information and the two other board members made sure to give me like, this is how it needs to be. (laughs) We need to have a free USBA because that stuff is still new. And yeah, so in 60 days, I wrote 6-12 and it was unanimously accepted first round at the board meeting. And so that was, it was amazing. And I realized, okay, all that needs to be done is someone just has to do this work sure. and, and and get it done. And I think national directors uh, versus regional directors have more of an opportunity to do that because regional directors have to push all the paperwork. And it's a lot, especially in certain regions. So um, the other thing is I created a Facebook group for all USPA members as a way to continue connecting and being transparent because one thing that I've learned and being on both sides now is sometimes it felt like USPA just happened at you. Right. And it right. Just, yeah. Right. Like all of a sudden you're like, there's new rules. Like where did this come from? <laughs> <laughs> right. And and I go, and, and there was another situation where, you know, doing the vertical sequential world record and I'm, I'm engineering skydives within these rules. And I'm going, this is insane. And when I investigated, like, who wrote the rules? They're like, oh, well, this belly flyer. And I'm like, what? A belly flyer wrote rules for Virgo? Like, this is right, nuts. Right, right. I go and change the rules. So I'm going, why didn't USPA not reach out to people like us? Right. To, so we don't have to do this rework and stuff. So anyways, yeah, the Facebook group is a way that I can reach out to people on a broader scale. Sure and hear what people have to say. Well, and it's, I'll tell you what, just from speaking to you before we started the podcast, it's obvious that your mindset now is how do I address other people's needs? Because the first thing you asked was how your recovery from surgery. And when I told you what the surgery was, you're like, oh, fuck, I need to take notes on how not to do this to other people. Um, You know, how other skydivers won't suffer this, you know, down the road, or at least how they'll know what they're getting themselves into. And for those that haven't listened to the podcast, uh, 25 years of jumping with heavy cameras will trash your neck, uh, and then they cut you open and fix stuff. (laughs) So... But because that was the very first thing you asked was, let me put, let me take a note because this is something that skydivers should know about. That obviously shows that your mentality is geared towards let's keep people informed and let's, you know, take all of this information and get it out there to people, which is fantastic. Yeah, I was asked what my ultimate goal is. Hmm. I don't know if it was just on a personal level. I can't remember if it was personal or as a director. And I just went, it's for the longevity of skydiving hmm. because I grew up in the sport and I. this is my work, my play, my love, my passion. This is everything. So I could only imagine it's not that way just for me. It's like that for so many people. Sure. And have any hand in helping for that longevity even long after I'm gone I will know that I've I've done my part in giving back to something that's given me so much I mean it's where I met my husband mm. and it's, it's where I was had the ability to travel around the world and have all these amazing experiences and yeah it's taught me so much about life because yes. I've learned in skydiving, I take in my day to day life and raising my child. Sure. So, so yeah, I, I think, love skydiving. I think the lessons that you learn in skydiving are uh, real life, but they're amplified times 10, right? I mean, you're, <laughs> you're learning the same lessons, you're just learning it a lot faster, and the consequences come a lot quicker than they do necessarily in real life. The shit you can get away with in real life, you can't get away with in skydiving. <laughs> So true, right? And it brings so much stuff up for people. I love working with people on the mental aspect of skydiving. I think people forget. I'm also a longtime AFF instructor. I've been uh, free flight coaching, organizing, uh, you know, so I take people from their first solo all the way to world records. I've I've had the privilege of working with a lot of people. And, uh, you know, some people that they go through, I don't know what it is about the sport that bubbles this stuff up mm. 
But I've, I've had people tell me they've had challenges at work, but skydiving helped them overcome it. And now instead of quitting their job, they're the leaders at their job. Sure. I've had people come up to me and tell I was the first person uh, that they told that they were gay. And I'm like, oh, I, I hold that stuff so near and dear because there's this thing that bonds us together, right? But it's the people that that is the glue to to what we are and what we do. I don't know. I was listening to this book and I'll, this thought came in my head. I'm like, oh my gosh, like the sky is my church and skydiving is my religion. <laughs> you know, like that's the stuff that really, there's no other way to describe it. Sure. Like you can't someone to do this one thing like you, it has to be something within them and then you have it and then it bubbles all these emotions oh, and yeah. feelings up to the surface and but then we also get to you know we play hard we party hard sure. we love hard sure. you know? well skydiving i think it forces people it certainly forced me to to face and deal with demons i didn't know i had to deal with and um fears that i didn't know were were really a thing that i probably never would have faced had i not put myself in the position of of doing something i mean as intense as skydiving can be and when you boil it all down and and you're sitting there at night thinking about a long day of jumping and another day coming and you realize what you do is dangerous on top of it you have to cope with all these things and learn to deal with um, the fear factor and learn how to calm yourself and learn how to um, be able to concentrate in situations that most people would melt down in and in that respect, it does turn the volume down on all the bullshit in the rest of your life. That's actually how I knew um, it was time for me to, to step back and take a break from skydiving for a little while. And I took about a, I don't know, about a three-year break from jumping because I found myself in free fall, actively pissed off and thinking about something that had happened on the ground. And that's when I went, wait a second. A, this is not the time to be thinking about that. And B, if I am thinking about that, obviously I'm not approaching jumping the way that I should be. And I took that step back, took a little break and came to back to it, loving it again. So it was kind of that, uh, um, that real test. All right, wait a second. <laughs> if you're not focused on what you're doing here, sums up. Yeah. Scott, I, I treat skydiving like it's a person sometimes because the way that I feel about it and have this respect and, right. you know, give, give and take to skydiving. I, I, in my head, that's just kind of the picture that I take, but that's so important. I think that talking about getting burnt out is a real thing in the sport. And if we're talking about the longevity of skydiving, you know, some people get in, I, been through several waves of burnout yeah. and I would talk to people that have been in the sport longer than me. And I asked them, how did you get through this? What, what is that thing? And there's some people that I know since I was a kid and they've never taken a break, <laughs> but I realized that they've always kept it fun. They just jumped on the weekends, yep. but they always had their little mini goals or they had a community of people they jumped with every weekend that they were accountable to showing up, sure. right? So I see that there's several different ways to handle it. The longest break I've ever taken in skydiving is when I was pregnant with my son. <laughs> and all I dreamed about was skydiving. <laughs> right. I was so bored because I chose not to jump in my pregnancy. I, was, I mean, I did in the beginning, but it was before I knew I was pregnant. Right. But my my decision was based on i didn't i'm always a load organizer or an instructor and i didn't want people to worry about the pregnant lady on the jump <laughs> like you know that's kind of a selfish approach i don't want people to fuck up a skydive because they're worried about me because right. then i'm taking their jump so i decided and it was in the winter anyway so i thought oh whatever like i can get through it but oh yeah. my gosh fair but enough yeah I back with the same feeling like I came back with a vengeance and and super ready to be back in the sport and see things a little bit more clear and the smile a little bit bigger oh yeah the, yeah it feeling. was uh, it was for me the burnout was like probably a lot of people that suffer from it I started jumping instantly went to work in the sport and continued to work in that sport until I went all right fuck this I need to walk away uh, and when I came back 
I only came back because a buddy of mine suggested that we go out for a fun jump and the idea made me nervous. And I went, oh, holy shit. I got butterflies just thinking about making a skydive. And I went, I think it's time to go jump again. And since then, I've been a fun jumper and that's it. You know, my, my work in the sport is sitting in the cockpit and I love flying the plane. And so my, my break from skydiving wasn't really a break from skydiving. It was just a break from jumping. Um, but, uh, um, when I came back as a fun jumper, I've just loved it because there was no pressure to go out and I didn't have to do 15 tandems in a day. I didn't have to make sure the videos were perfect. I could go out and be the one that fucked up the whole skydive and still had a blast, you know, and it, it just took all the pressure away. And I just went out and had fun, which I wasn't, I'm not sure I ever did before in the sport. I loved it, but I wasn't just a goofy fun jumper. And so now that's what I get to be, which is amazing. Yeah, I think that there are special people in the sport that can do 15 tandems a day, five days a week, forever. Yep. <laughs> there are those people and they love it. They That's just their jam in the sport. But for me, that burnout was really real. Oh, yeah. And I felt alone and I didn't feel that anyone understood me. And I thought, how can, like, what is it? Like, yep. what, what do I need? And yeah, it, I, I never took a long period off. Just the pregnancy was the longest time because I could never really get away with it. But <laughs> right. what, what shifted for me was going from full-time skydiving to part-time skydiving. I didn't even know that was an option. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, so I think just there are so many different ways that people can approach the burnout. Some people just need to get away with Get, a, get away from the people, get away, you know, because there are toxic people in the sport, but sure. um, I don't ever want it to take away from what skydiving is, right? Because skydiving is its own entity, its own person, right? Sure. So, so when people do take a break, you know, because of the people or that toxic environment or, or whatever, I, I, I feel this like mother motherly need to want to go and reach out to them and and just say like skydiving will always be there right like it it, it still loves you <laughs> sure i think that's where i was really lucky when i decided to take a break as i had already transitioned to flying and was still jumping and and uh, um because i was still flying i still had the community aspect of skydiving which has always been the most important part to me. Like the jumping's fun, but I'm never going to be a world champion. I'm never going to do these crazy, amazing things. I'm just a fun jumping skydiver. You know, I just go out and have fun and chuck drugs or shoot videos or whatever. But uh, um, I never had to walk away from the community. So I always had that aspect of it, which was nice. Um, and I've had people recommend before for burnout. If you're burned out on the people, go to a different drop zone, give it a shot. If you're burned out on the jumping, just take a break because guess what? The canopy that you're jumping now is still going to be jumpable a few years from now. Take a break. It's fine. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so good. Absolutely. I would recommend the same thing if it's the people go to a different drop zone. And we're very fortunate these days to have a plethora of drop zones. They're in, everywhere. In yeah, they're everywhere. And it, that's true. For sure. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. So now you've, you've traveled all over all around Colorado now, but uh, what's the next plan? I mean, are you just going to keep on hitting places? Well, especially now that you're back on the uh, on the trail for campaigning. I know I have to I have to remind people, but I don't know if I'm reminding people or just reminding myself that I'm here to connect with you. But I am also campaigning. Right. <laughs> <laughs> which, which I hate the shameless self-promoting, uh, but it's another one of my goals is that a lot of people don't vote and I want to get more people involved. So my ultimate goal is to inspire members to either run for position and or just getting more involved, whether that's just being more informed or participating at a board meeting or something, because I feel that we have such a great opportunity to make a difference and have our voices heard within this sport. I think the quote unquote government part of it is so accessible, but it's not always taken advantage of because I don't know if it's the greater government that, you know, is really intimidating to even like step your foot into. But at the end of the day, the USPA board is made up of a bunch of skydivers yep. <laughs> And I think it's so attainable that 
uh, you know, it's just, it's just right there, but yeah, I want to get more people involved, whether if it's just uh, being more informed, but also voting sure. because voting is, is just like the presidential campaign voting for your USPA regional national directors, your vote counts. Yes. It's <laughs> Actually, if if anything, you could argue that the vote in the USPA is probably easier to track and and counts more than <laughs> than the presidential votes. It is. It's so funny. I got a couple people after the last campaign. They're like, "My vote counted." <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. You know. I mean, it's uh, obviously it's very important, especially uh, if you have anything in in the, the USPA that you want to see change in. You know, if 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 all you're doing is collecting the magazine and going out and jumping a couple of times, well, I get why you're not super involved, but even you have something that you'd like changed. So there's a reason to be engaged. And the cool thing is uh, seeing you and, and especially Al is super engaged on social media as well. He posts quite a lot, both personally and as the big boss. Um, and he's super accessible. And, and like a lot of jumpers like me, I know stories about that guy. So... <laughs> You know, like that's one of the things I love is like I I've seen you do stuff, <laughs> so we've had, we've had fun together. So I know that when you're speaking um, for me as a skydiver, it's because you're a skydiver, been there, done that. My generation, you know, and and it's not to to throw stones at previous generations. They've all had their hurdles and their and their things to overcome. This is just kind of our generation's time and power. So it's kind of cool. Yeah, it is kind of cool. It feels really weird to wear this title of USPA National Director because when, when I was going around, because let's just keep it real, folks. I'm still a skydiver at the end of the day, you right. know, so when people, they stand up a little straighter and they shake my hand a little firmer. <laughs> you almost need to walk into the room with a bottle of rum and shot glasses and go, seriously, let's just chill. Right. <laughs> well, maybe read your audience to figure out which drops yeah, right, I need. Right. <laughs> So, and thing, but. Yeah, right. So now we were going to talk about something else too. Something really cool just happened uh, not that long ago that I know you wanted to talk about that I think is fucking fantastic. So please share with me the news that uh, um, of this cool thing that just happened recently. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I, I hope you can insert like a drum roll. <laughs> I can do something, yeah. <laughs> my dad, Roger Nelson, a longtime skydiver, started skydiving back in the 70s and created so much pioneering technology and techniques in the sport, was finally inducted into the International Skydiving Hall of Fame. Woo! How epic is that? How epic is that? I mean, it's it's super cool for so many reasons. It's super cool because of all the contributions that he made to the sport, but it's also cool because he was Roger Nelson. He was a bigger, larger-than-life character that, beside the fact that he did all this cool shit, he also pulled a lot of shit in the sport, too. And he's got this rock star history of which you've written about. So to have that, again, it's this is super cool representation in the Hall of Fame that clearly shows that skydivers honor skydivers for what we are, right? Oh, yeah. This is so it's it's definitely been a point of contention and frustration that he has not been considered until now. Mm. And so people kept saying, oh, it's just politics. Oh, we need just different people on the board. And I'm going, this is bullshit. Like right. this, this is sky, like, what are we trying to make skydiving to be? Like right. I said, let's be real folks. Like I swear, you know? right. <laughs> this is not like the clean cut and whatever. And I think it's also paying homage to where skydiving came from. It's, sure. it's, you know, it's just how it was in that era and I think denying that history is den is denying so much about our sport. So yes, it feels so great. I was again talking to my family about this because you know I have for a long time was known as Roger's daughter, and right. I wanted people to know me for my name. And now that I'm married, and instead of going by Missy, I go by Melissa. I've really confused everybody. So now, but now I've. <laughs> Now I really like people know me as Melissa Lowe, which is amazing because I have gone to create my own path in the sport in my own right. It's it's my work, my vision, the stuff that I'm passionate about. Yes, my dad 
offered me the opportunity, but I'm the one that did the work to get to where I'm at. And I lived a lot with the residuals of his past. Mm. And a lot of people judge me for that or people consider me still riding on his coattails. I'm like, man, he didn't teach me how to free fly. He was a belly flyer. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> you know, he didn't make, he didn't give me the skills and people are like, Oh, you got free jumps. Cause you grew up on a drop zone. I was like, uh huh. Who do you think picked up all those cigarette butts and cleaned those toilets? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. That, that Folks, like if you want to call that free jumping, like <laughs> it's labor to my parents. <laughs> yep, yeah, for sure. But uh, so now it just feels that this is, and I don't mean this like in a bad way or anything, but you know, after someone passes away, and then for us, like my dad's legacy is, is it'll be forever on. But it feels like the end cap of the work we have to do sure. for my dad and his legacy. So it just feels like this insane victorious moment of we did it sure we did it you know what i mean uh because we've been fighting for it for a long time well it's i mean i i hate to use the word vindication but it is kind of you know i mean because there was uh, again for all the great stories there were also negative stories and everybody's heard the good and the bad so it is vindication in that that they finally got off their asses and went oh yeah he was a skydiver which means he did some shit, but he also did so much amazing stuff. And uh, I mean, it's a, I think it's a small group of people that has that negative view and tries to candy coat everything. I, I had a um, somebody get really pissed off that I had named the podcast Lunatic Fringe. They got super offended that I used the word lunatic. And I'm like, do you know the same fucking people that I know? Because... I'm pretty sure Lunatic Fringe is exactly how you describe most of the people I know. And it's not a negative thing, but don't paint us the way we're not. I mean, if anything, the fact that skydivers have done all the crazy things that they've done over the years and succeeded so amazingly is a testament to how we really get shit done and still party. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we, we do live extraordinary lives out of the box that I think lunatic is a great and fringe, right? Skydiving is a fringe sport still. Yes, you know, and I, I honestly, I always kind of wore it as a, as a badge of, of honor. And it's it's an homage to the guys um, that, like your father, that kind of had to learn along the way when shit was really dangerous, you know, when there was no safety net, so to speak, and you're kind of making it up as you go. And then with your dad coming up with courses and ways of training people that were completely against the establishment that's lunatic fringe as well because man he could have lost everything and he just kept pushing through and made it succeed to what is now considered standard you know i mean that's that's exactly what that is you know i mean (laughs) he kind of shoved it in everybody's faces and went look this is how it is Oh, that's just, uh, that's what I love. It's like the love hate relationship as a daughter with their father because that that was like the testament of our relationship. It was you know I loved him and I hated him. Sure, <laughs> just, sure. Just like how the rest of the community did. So he wrote in his first logbooks, which we're still trying to track down because <laughs> he passed away 18 years ago. So track like I don't even know where all the stuff is, but right. Uh, with my brother, I remember my dad wrote. Uh, poems about USPA <laughs> in some pages of his logbook, and it was awesome because remember he started jumping when he was sixteen, so he's super young, sure. getting in the sport, long hair hippie, and the sport was made of a bunch of military people, and he just butted heads with any authority figures. So he had these poems about you know fuck USPA. And <laughs> I'm like, I need to find that and use that in my campaign. <laughs> People would love that shit. Here's my pedigree. Fuck the USPA and now vote for me. <laughs> that's, I mean, but that's kind of, that's, I mean, that embodies everything that I think is amazing about so many different skydivers and especially about finally getting your dad honored is that kind of stuff, you know, I mean, some of the funnest people that I've talked to have been on the fringes of what is still a fringe sport. You know, I mean, I, I had Mo Valletto on and I mean, Mo, holy shit, you want to talk about definitely walking his own path, but what an amazing guy having done so much incredible stuff or Bill Booth or, you know, Ted Strong, all these guys that just kind of did 
did shit their own way. You know, I mean, and your dad was one of them. Your dad was one of those guys that just went, nope, I don't like the way you're doing this. We're doing it my way. And it worked. Yep. 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 And he created his own organization. I mean, he went, he always went to USPA first and he always gets denied. He was like, well, screw you guys. I'm just going to do it my own way. And I just thought I'd include you in my thing here. (laughs) Well, and I I would imagine that um, when he was butting heads with them, especially when everything came about in in the book and and the legal troubles that he had and all that stuff, that must have been fuel to those that were against him saying, see, see, he's a bad seed, which is a bunch of bullshit. Because if you ask me, that just means he succeeded most of the time doing that too. (laughs) Right. <laughs> yeah, he, he. I think. I think he was a man that was born to fight sure. because he had to fight for a lot of stuff in his life. I don't think people realize. You know, he also had to deal with the residuals of his reputation and try to make amends. And you know, he served prison time and try sure. to come out in the community and the communities. Oh, that's a convicted felon, and you come with these, you know, stereotypes and right. you know, so. Nothing was easy. I mean, even as kids growing up, we I feel that we had to fight a lot of those battles. So trudging my way through and finding my way in the sport, like I was always like poised with my fists up, like I'm ready. You know, like if someone finds out I'm Roger's daughter, you know, I'm all like, what you got, what you got, you know, but I I don't feel that I had to have such a fight. I think that's another thing that I I love about the community of skydiving and skydiving itself is that people pretty much welcome me with open arms. And I was pretty quick to put those fists down and completely change. I'm like, oh, (laughs) they're not, you know, always judging me for my dad. I mean, there was a bit of that. Oh, you're Roger's so you're going to be a badass and or, or, or my expectations are ridiculously way beyond my you know, skills or experience. But, well, I think but, you'd go one of two ways, right? You'd either expect nothing but bad from you or you'd expect you to be a rock star because of who you were, you know, raised with. You're all right. She's either going to absolutely knock this out of the park or she's going to be horrible and break all the rules. And so it's it, that had to be hard to try and carve your own path and, and fail and succeed on your own merits. I mean, not the, oh, well, obviously that worked because she's Roger's daughter, or obviously that went to shit because she's Roger's daughter. Yep, yep, exactly. There, there, there was definitely all of that hanging over my head. I remember uh, going to Skydive Arizona for the first time. I think I was 16 or 17, and they wouldn't let me jump. And I didn't have the concept of you have to be 18 <laughs> to go <laughs> jump another place. Like, that was, oh, like the reality, because I was, my small little world, right? Like that's just, that's just was my world. And of course, growing up traveling to drop zones when dad was competing, when I was a kid, this is just normal life. Like I never knew the boundaries. So I remember when I finally went back to Scott of Arizona, when I was 18, I was jumping a stiletto 107 and uh, Larry Hill had come out uh, from the behind in his office and, you know, hands on his hips. <laughs> He's going, knowing my dad, because jumping stilettos at young jump numbers was very frowned upon yep. and especially size canopy I was on and I would nor would I ever recommend this or have any of my students follow the path that my dad gave me. Right. <laughs> but uh, he he reluctantly said, OK, but I had to do a hop and pop and I had to prove that I could land that canopy in the main landing area, which was like a big thing back then. Right. So. And I did the hop and pop and I did the back thing, but talk about like that thing hanging over you. I'm just going, well, you know, like my dad can't make my skills good, you right. know? So this is a great moment, a great testament of like, I can do this. Like, this is me. Like, this is all me. And I, and I stuck it. Sure. Sure. <laughs> yep. No, it's well, and it's funny that you say, uh, um, yeah, I don't recommend this or that. So many, so many skydivers of, of our generation, so to speak, have that exact same thing. Yeah. Don't do it the way I did it <laughs> because we made it to this, the other side to tell everybody, yeah, that shit was stupid we shouldn't (laughs) and we have so much better technology we have better wings we have uh more people are proficient in the discipline of canopy piloting oh yeah that 
it's just, we're just so fortunate now, but looking at where kids are, like when they have a hundred to 500 jumps, I'm like, you are so far beyond where I was when I had that many jumps. Oh goodness. Yes. It's uh, the training, especially when it comes to, uh, body flight and canopy flight is so dramatically better than anything that was out there. I mean, I'm sure like you, as soon as I was off of AFF, it was uh, okay. Have fun in your skydiving career. That was it. You know, there was there was no real path to take. You know, everybody had uh, tight suits with grippers on and there were some funny guys that were trying to fly on their heads. And so pick one, you know, (laughs) that's it. But, you know, now someone with very few jumps, you know, in the big scheme of things can outfly me in the sky and under canopy just because they've had access to this amazing training and technology, which is wonderful. I love seeing it. You know, I kind of like being the dinosaur now. Yeah, me too. I don't mind. I used to always be the youngest one in the drop zone. And now the the script has flipped. Yeah. <laughs> right? I'm going, oh my gosh, I cannot believe like I am the old wise woman. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Know? When did the fuck did we become the old, the old wise, wise sages that are giving out this <laughs> advice? It's ridiculous. Well, and it's- It's the same with me too, but the coolest thing about skydiving, and I'm sure you'll agree, is age seems to make no difference to anyone. It really doesn't. And that's both when it comes to jumping and when it comes to the party life after the fact. People just don't give a damn. You're just a skydiver, unless you're really old. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I went on my Colorado tour. It was so adorable. Somebody was doing their 100th jump and they go, oh, I hope you wore your cute panties today. I'm going, oh, honey. (laughs) I'm not too old to do Andy jumps. Yeah, this woman did not do that. Yeah, yeah. I think I. It wasn't that long ago. Somebody made a comment. I had had said something about, oh yeah, this is the first time I've done this in a while, and someone said beer, and I just laughed. I'm like, <laughs> no, no, there not. There's nothing on heaven or earth that's going to make me buy a case of beer for anything in skydiving anymore. <laughs> We have paid our dues. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm beyond that shit. So now, now tell me, um, you're going to be campaigning, so that means doing a lot of bouncing around. Um, is there anything else you got going on that people should know about? Oh my gosh, we are so busy now with the Highlight Pro Skydiving Team. Yes, which is the dream team. We have 13 incredible, extraordinary, talented well-established women on this team. And I tell you, you know, I just, we call ourselves the dream team because we, uh, I think all had a mutual respect for each other before we even gathered together. And a lot of us have wanted to create something like this, but it never worked out Mm. or just, just timing wasn't right. Just, there's just a lot of challenges, obstacles to get through. So now that we're together and doing things that, you know, now that we've got just over a year under our belt and, uh, you know, we did a awesome, epic training camp in Arizona, swooping fire, continuing to train big flags. You know, we're just in this mode of continuing education because we ha- we are serving just this greater purpose and identifying social justice issues and using our team to help amplify these messages outside of our industry and mm. serving this mission that we want to inspire women and girls. And, and even though it's just women and girls in our mission statement, we know that it applies to everyone, sure. but inspiring everyone to live brave, bold lives of their own design, whether that's in skydiving or outside of skydiving. And last year we, went around the country celebrating the 19th Amendment, which is the women's right to vote. And this year we are amplifying the message of women in sports just because there's just there, there's so many levels of uh, inequality with women in sports, whether it's not getting the same uh, pay as men or opportunities or, you know, I think softball after college softball, it's, you know, there's nothing unless you go to the Olympics or something. Right. So there's like these huge gaps that we get to go and talk about and help um, them spread their message. And I mean, hence the team name highlight because we are highlighting um, these, these messages. So which yeah, is, so we have a few. 
It's pretty damn epic. I mean, if you think about it, it kind of uh, being able to do what you do puts an exclamation point behind the message of anyone else that's out there trying to get that same message across. I mean, you put a bunch of uh, badass women in the sky doing these incredible things for some other cause. And I mean, come on, it really is pretty spectacular. It is. It's so awesome. I feel incredibly fortunate. It's just one of those things where I just put my hands together and just in this grat- moment of grat- a space of gratitude. You know, the, the other thing that for me, the team, it's so much more than just the team and what we're doing. I just think about my own personal journey and career in the sport and where I've gone. And Highlight is just, it marks, a, it's a pivot in my career because I'm doing demo jumps, which isn't some, yeah, we've all have a handful of demo jumps, have my pro ring, you know, like, but it's not something you do every day. So it's taken me out of my comfort zone because free flying big ways, it's my jam and forcing me to learn another discipline, mm. having, uh, uh, we wear bigger canopies. I normally jump a, a, <laughs> a velo 90. I am getting a VK one of these days. Pretty soon. <laughs> Everyone is like, why are you jumping a velo? I'm like, oh my gosh, like, t- 20 years on a velo. Like, come right. on, people. I love this one. It's slow right. <laughs> for me. But, uh, but uh, you know, we're, we're jumping bare canopies. So it's a challenge to, oh, you know, just learning a new wing. Like, how can I fly this wing the best that I can to be the current I can to land in tight spaces? And then strapping all these things on us and, you know, getting nervous again and facing new types of fears and uh, performing. We have to perform and remembering to smile and land when you land because you you don't even realize 10,000 jumps, you just land and you stir your toggles and you walk back and, you know, just smile and be like, what's up? I'm cool, you know? (laughs) Well, like putting on a show for people, it's just, it's just another level in skydiving that, you know, we were talking about the burnout stuff. Learning a new discipline is so exciting and oh, yeah. it reignited another deeper love for our sport and respect to the people that have done this discipline longer than I have, you know, because they set the stage. So I hope that the things that I've done in the other areas of my career help set the stage for other people you know, to, to move forward. So like this is huge circle of, you know, gratitude and moving forward in the sport, evolving. Sure. So, yeah. So highlights awesome. And well, yeah, I've seen, uh, I've seen quite a bit of the stuff uh, coming across social media with highlight and it's amazing to see that continuing on. And, and I, hopefully you guys have got a, a huge snag free year coming. No more COVID shit slowing everybody down. And- <laughs> I know. Do you have any big events coming up specifically with them? Uh, we we do, but some of them are not confirmed. So it's cool. sometimes sometimes it's fly by the seat of our pants, and last minute we're on a plane going somewhere. <laughs> but yeah, but but we also are still pursuing Project Nineteen, which awesome. is the women's vertical world record. Yep. We're doing it next year. So it will be the 102nd anniversary of the 19th Amendment. So we will be attempting a 102-way. Awesome. So behind the scenes, kind of revamping, getting the schedule and stuff together, mapping that out uh, for the journey forward. But it's world record season. Like, I'm so excited. So we have the vertical sequential world record in September this year. And then we'll have the 200-way vertical world record in Chicago next year, 2022, in the summer. And then... That will be followed up with the Project 19. So this is my favorite season. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Yep. It's going to be big and it's going to be busy, no doubt. Now, here's the important question, though. Are you going to make Summerfest? Hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's really all that matters, right? If you right now straight here. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Right now it's got to be about Summerfest. Well, this is this is the big two zero, isn't it? So. So my brother's going to kill me for saying this because he's so humble and he's just like, it is what it is. But Summerfest was the brainchild of my brothers and mine because the World Freefall Convention was happening forever and it excluded free flying. It was like a belly focused thing. Yep. And so we went back to our pops and we said, we need to do like a free fly event like this. But my dad being the 
belly flyer that he is and being who he is, he's like, well, we can't exclude anyone. Right. So he goes, why don't we do a weekend to weekend event? And one weekend we'll do more belly stuff. And the second weekend would be more free fly stuff. And, you know, and, and we're like, okay. And then what do we call it? And my dad, I think is the one who came up with Summerfest. So that name stuck, but it's, I'm going because it's kind of, I don't know, 20 years. 20 I cannot years. Believe I, I can say I've been doing something this long, but yeah, 20 years ago. Well, it's actually 21, but 2020 screwed everything. So. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> it didn't happen, so this is legitimately the 20th anniversary. Which is insane. Um, I mean, I remember when, because um, as a newer skydiver at the time, I'd only been jumping for four years, and I was getting ready to think, all right, I got to go to the convention. I've been jumping long enough now. I'm a skydiver. I got to go see this convention thing. Even though by the time that was rolling around, it was known for being just way out of control, just too much. Uh, and then Summerfest started, and of course it started out kind of small, and then next thing you knew, I was busy flying, so I didn't get to go, but I, of course, and then I flew for the competition, so I was over at CSC, so I never got to jump at Summerfest, but I would sneak over for the parties. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it, it has like a really good blend. You know, I haven't been to Summerfest in the last couple of years. Like I, I, you know, peppered throughout the last 20 years. But I remember my brother and I mean, yeah, we love to party. Like, you know, I don't party anymore these days. But it was really about the skydiving. Sure. And the party just happened because of the epic skydiving. And, and even that evolved. But I, I love Summerfest because I still feel it carries that essence that it's about the skydiving. It is. And, you know, the party is just like the bonus aspect, right? Like the cherry on top of an epic day. But that's one thing that I loved about Summerfest. I remember one Summerfest, I did 100 jumps in 10 days. <laughs> I was... I was so tired by the end of that event, and I have never, ever done that again. <laughs> I don't blame you. That was way too much. I don't blame you. Well, I knew a few different types that would go to Summerfest, and there were those that went just to jump and last load. They might stick around for a beer, but then they were going to hit the sack because they knew they were going to be jumping crazy the next day. And then there were the Summerfest people that might jump this Summerfest. <laughs> Like they were going and they were going to have their gear and they might even jump this year, <laughs> you know? So I think there is that blend, but you're right. I think it's predominantly about the badass skydives because people go there to do new kick-ass shit. Yeah. Yeah. So this year is going to be off the hook. I'm so excited. And you know, so I brought my son to a summer fest a couple of years ago, but now uh, he'll be almost seven at the event. His birthday is like right after it ends, but I'm bringing him too because I don't know, like this is the shit that I grew up with sure. and you know, he has a kiddo too. So I just thought, man, and then my cousins are coming out. So this is like, this is like a big family thing for us too. So yeah, I'm, I am, I'm excited beyond words. Well, I expect uh, um, lots and lots of amazing videos and photos and all that stuff to come out of Summerfest without a doubt. Now, as, as we wrap things up, um, how do people a track your campaign. B. How do they find your um, your uh, page on Facebook where they can talk to a director and give ideas and that kind of stuff? And then how do they find out about just you and what projects are going on? What are the websites and the, the instas? Awesome. My website is Melissa dash low dot com so you can find all the things there. How to contact me? How to get to Facebook and Instagram and all that stuff. Facebook, if you search for Melissa Lowe, USPA National Director, you'll find me. But I do screen everybody who comes in. So I only allow current members that are in good standing join because those are the people that I represent. And so when I hear from you, I know that everyone there is a USPA member. And yeah, otherwise you can find me on Facebook. I, I am only bringing people into my athletes page because my personal page is for my personal stuff. Sure. I'm trying to 
keep that separate these days, but it's really hard. Sure. Oh, no, no. Hey, believe me, I feel you. And it's important to try and have that separation. Well, (laughs) Madam Director, I cannot thank you enough for your time this morning. (laughs) Oh, you're awesome. I always appreciate hanging out with you. Yeah, that was really, really great. Uh, Again, uh, I I look forward to catching up to you in another year or so after the reelection and all the new great stuff that's to come. Yeah, sweet. Thank you so much. Bye. All right, there you go. Another episode of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void in the Can. This one with Mr. Brian Casserly. Brought to you, as always, by Fuck Yeah. That's right. Let's hear it. And Zero Sports and Icarus. Also brought to you by Pussfoot.com. Pussfoot.com, the Extreme Sports Collective. Brought to you by Summit Parachute Systems. Jarrett Martin, Badass Pilot Rigs, Badass Rigging Courses. And then there's me, as always, the fucking pilot. Fuckingpilot.net, theprincesspilot.com, both go to the same places. You can find the links to all the podcasts as well as both of the books, although I've discovered this podcast is available pretty much wherever the fuck you get your podcast. Anyway, have a good one. We'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>